Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. This episode is sponsored by All Call Technologies. All Call Technologies is a HIPAA-compliant virtual receptionist that allows for customized voicemail boxes that can ring to your clinician's cell phones. I use it, and seriously, I love it. Clinicians can call back from their cell phones and have the office number show up, which is an awesome feature. Go to www.allcalltechnologies.com backslash group MHP and put in the code TGPE, that's TGPE, for $50 off your setup. Hey everyone, Maureen here. I have Marissa Lawton with me and we're going to be talking about content marketing for group practices and I'm super excited to have you here. How are you? Yay, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here too. I think um, there's a lot of questions when people start becoming group practice owners versus solo practice owners and, and how do I market now that I'm in this different arena? So I'm excited to talk about it. Yes, um, this is this is really exciting, and I feel like um, the the stuff that you do, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that um, at the beginning here of what you do to help clinicians uh, in your business. Absolutely. So, my whole goal is to become a partner with anybody who's a client of mine, um, and so I partner with clinicians to market their practices online. And a lot of times we talk about blogging and I kind of use blogging as an overarching term, but um, that can mean podcasting like we're, we're doing right now. It can mean um, video blogging or vlogging um, and just helping you put your message out in front of your ideal client so that they can find you online. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And some people feel like marketing is skeezy, but I like to offer a reframe for clinicians in the sense that it's not about just like broadcasting and spewing online. Everybody is online now, no matter the socioeconomic status, like research shows that people will pay a cell phone bill or an internet bill before they'll pay for other um, essentials. It's not a commodity. Yeah. It's not a commodity anymore. Interesting. Um, okay. So you help clinicians specifically when it comes to their content or online marketing. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. So um, I want to kind of get into this so that everyone here that is listening can get some, some good feedback on how they can kind of level up their own group practices with content marketing or online marketing. Um, let's start with kind of a basic question, but what is the difference between blogging regular old blogging and blogging for your business because I'm assuming there's a difference in, in, in those two. Yes. So blogging for business or content marketing is about positioning your skill set or what you're offering. So in our case, therapy, um, in front of the people who need it. Um, a lot of people will just blog um, maybe about random topics or there's no intention behind it. There's no strategy behind it. And when you're blogging for business, it's really about making sure that you're meeting certain criteria, um, which is like word length, uh, 2000 plus words, at least over 1500 people balk at that number, 2000 words. How am I going to write that? Um, and so the word length, using strategic keywords, um, long chain is what we call them. So phrases that people are actually putting into Google, um, 
Couples Counseling Chicago, Illinois. Yep. You know, that would be a long tail keyword. So making sure that that is in there. So um, how, how does how would someone figure out what keywords are helpful for them to use in their blog? Um, a lot of it, I just say, sit down and what would you Google? Um, Good idea. What would yeah, what would you look for? And, and put in a couple different phrases. You know, an, another thing about blogging versus blogging for business is a lot of us are professional writers, or or we're used to writing for journals academically. But when you're blogging for business, you need to put yourself in the mind of your ideal client. So instead of writing a a post that talks about perinatal mood disorders in the um, postpartum female, you know our client doesn't talk like that. Our client is most likely Googling postpartum depression. Even though when they get in session, we might figure out they have perinatal OCD or, or anxiety and it's not postpartum depression. The only thing they realize is I just had a baby and now I feel different. That's so, a good point. Yeah. So when we're Googling, when we're thinking about the keywords, what is your client Googling? They're not Googling these jargony terms that, that we're familiar with. They're Googling what they're familiar with. Um, and then there's other keyword softwares. You can always use Google Analytics. There's Google Keyword Finder. Um, there's a couple of different sites on there that will show you the popularity of different search terms. Uh, so there's, you can always go that route as well. Okay, cool. Um, anything else that separates blogging from business blogging or mainly word length keywords? Word length keywords and intention, having a yeah. strategy. Yeah, having a strategy behind it. Um, you know, some of us will will just kind of, oh, I want to write a, a blog post about, say, the Me Too movement, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really buzzworthy movement. Um, but how does that apply to your practice in particular? And what, what unique take do you have on that? And how can you bring something to the Me Too movement that relates to how you work as a clinician? Um, so, so that's kind of a difference. What is the intention behind it? And I think uh, and, that would kind of also lead into how blogging will lead into an actual client you know, yeah. with, with intention. I think, you know, you bring up this idea that you have to have a, a purpose and intention behind why you're blogging something mm-hmm. um, for your business. And I would assume that that plays a role then in the people that are reading your blog, potentially becoming a client at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the last thing about blogging for business, and then I'll transition into how this works for attracting clients, um, is there's a difference between filler content, which is the fluffy stuff, Mm-hmm. Um, and I call pillar content, you know, like you think of like Greek architecture, like a pillar. Um, and so if you're writing about, if you're using intentional writing, you're creating pillar content. It stands the test of time. It's not just fluffy and filler. So that's kind of the last part, um, of the difference between just regular old blogging and blogging for your business. Awesome. Um, when we get into how does a blog work for, um, converting leads to clients, uh, there's two different ways. So we've got to think of leads as in the sense of a cold lead and a warm lead. So a cold lead is somebody who, like we were just talking about, they jump on Google and they look for couples counseling Chicago, Illinois. They're not warm to us. So they don't know who we are. They don't know what we're about. And that's what our blog does for them is it helps them get to know us. It helps them get to 
to learn if they like us or not. And then it helps us, helps them learn to trust us. Um, now a warm lead is somebody who gets us from a referral. And so they might already have our name and our, our practice from somebody that they trust, a loved one, a family member, uh, a doctor. And so when they find us, they're much more, um, they're much more familiar with us. So in either sense, your blog is taking somebody from either not knowing anything about you or somebody who knows a little bit about you and they, um, it's turning them into somebody who wants to work with us. Okay. I like this. So the goal then is to obviously bring as many of our cold leads into warm leads, right? Yes. So on average, a consumer needs seven touch points with a product before they purchase. So if we think of any old commodity, like, I don't know, mattresses, right? You may be really familiar with Serta or with Simmons, right? So if you, it's time, it's been 10 years or whatever, and you're ready to purchase a new mattress, you're probably going to go to like the, any old mattress store and look for a Serta or a Simmons. But there's these new ones out. Like sleep number isn't really that new. Like we know what they are now. Um, but purple, purple yeah. is like a brand new mattress company, right? And not oh. a lot of people... I want a purple. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people know about them, right? <laughs> so when you're thinking about a purple, maybe you see it um, in a Facebook ad or you see somebody mention it. And then like after five, six, seven times, you're like, okay, what is this purple? Right. And then you might go look at it and might have, it might actually be a contender up with Simmons and Serta. Well, therapy typically needs, uh, if, if our commodity that we're selling is therapy, it typically needs more than seven touches, nine, 10, 11 touches before somebody wants to hire you or purchase your, your therapy. Um, and the reason for that is there's still stigma around mental health care. There's still, um, people have to admit that there might be a problem and that they might need help. So we've got to think we need more than just the seven touches. And that's where our blogs can come in. So if they're a completely cold client, and they land on our website, our homepage is probably the first touch, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, if they like what they see on our homepage, they might click over to our about page. That's the second touch. And then from our about page, they might be like, okay, I want to learn more. And they go over to their, our blog. And if we're using our, our online strategies strategically, we have these things linked together, right? So it's a natural flow. Um, and then from our blog, they see one and it says, you know, uh, whatever a couple might be struggling with in Chicago, uh, it, winter blues and the way it affects your relationship. Right. And so they're like, wow, okay, maybe I am going through this. And that blog, they read it, it speaks directly to them. And then from there, uh, down at the bottom, you have check out these related posts. And there's three more blog posts that relate to couples in Chicago. Right. And so, um, I don't know, the date experience at Wrigley Field or something like that, (laughs) you know, just something that would make sense to that population. Um, And then from there, they just go further and further down your funnel. So they've had one touch on your homepage, they've had one on your about, and then your blog offers several more touches. So that's how it works in the conversion process. And I'm thinking also, um, you know, I'm my group practice, my clinicians, they can get a bonus if they blog. That's my way of, of 
kind of getting that more robust, but I'm also learning about um, using links within the blog to link Mm -hmm. to other related blog posts. Absolutely. Um, And that might be another easy way for uh, clients to get more touch points. Yeah. And so if the client is a warm client, they've already had a few touch points before they've gotten on your website. They've, they've, heard your name from a loved one or they've heard your name from a doctor. So they're a bit warmer. So they might come to you and your website, instead of being touch one, it might be touch two, three, or four. So they're already warmer, but still you're not, you're, you're still having to take them from four or five all the way down to nine, 10, 11. So mm-hmm. that's how your website and your blog can really help. And then if they see your blog on a popular social media site or, um, you know, a popular, um, uh, news source in their, in their community, then that can be another touch point. So blogging can really help to turn somebody from a potential lead into, okay, this is the therapist for me. This is the person I want to schedule with. They get me. And do you have any experience or knowledge on whether blogging or doing video, I'm hearing a lot about at least with Facebook Mm -hmm. ads and stuff that videos convert more. Um, do you have any opinions on having video, you know, on your website, on a group practice or solo practice website and in terms of a client maybe feeling more connected or no? Yeah. In, in the online entrepreneur space. So I can't speak exactly to people speak, people seeking therapy, but in the online space, 80% of people would rather watch a video than read a blog. Okay. Um, so that's a pretty significant statistic. So I think if we are kind of applying it to therapy, I would assume, I think it's safe to assume that still a pretty high number prefer video. Um, video is great in the sense that it already ups your no like, and trust factor because people get to see your face. They get to see your mannerisms. They get to imagine themselves sitting across the couch from you. Um, so they're, they're already able to put themselves in a position of being in a session with you. That makes a lot of sense. You've got to think of your idea. It all goes back to who are you targeting? Um, If you're targeting busy entrepreneurs, busy executives, it's a lot easier for them to watch and or listen to a video um, in just a few minutes, 10, 15 minutes, than it is for them to give 20, 30 minutes over to a lengthy blog post. Um, New moms, they much prefer audio or video over a blog because they can be um, listening to it and glancing over and watching it while they're cooking dinner or, you know, while they're, um, while they're playing with their kids, they can have the audio in the background. So who's your client? What do, what do you think they prefer and how, what's their lifestyle like? How are they consuming content? Um, I want a, a segue into our, po- the population of people that are listening to my podcast. Yeah. So I I get how it's a little bit easier. I feel like if you're a solo practitioner blogging Mm -hmm. to your ideal client or clients, uh, how does blogging work differently if you're a group practice versus a solo practice in terms of content creation, whether it's blogging or video, any of that? Yeah. So here's how I approach this. I'm a firm believer in the fact that your, your group practice then needs to be branded. So for, for your case, you know, you have urban wellness and urban wellness is a brand. They, people who are looking for therapy know what they're getting when they go to urban wellness. So what 
is that if you have multiple clinicians underneath you, what is the common thread? All of them might see different niches, but are you guys a holistic practice or are you um, a fun practice? Like what is it that is the common thread between all of the clinicians and how can you brand yourself there? Then, you know, you can write niche specific blog posts that um, each clinician that represents the niche that each clinician sees, but then it speaks to that um, that overarching brand. So I'll give an example of this. If your group practice is positioned as a spa-like, refreshing place where the clients who seek therapy there are going to experience, maybe you've got essential oils diffusing, or you've got, um, you know, your colors on your walls are these really soothing blues and greens. And you're really trying to give the experience of when somebody comes there, it's an escape. It's a place for them to relax, to Zen out, to refresh. Then no matter who you're seeing, if you're seeing a couple, if you're seeing um, an adolescent, if you're seeing a, even a kid, like when they come in, they know that that's how they're going to experience therapy at XYZ group practice. So that's how you would brand it. And then as you're writing blogs, you might write a blog post to that adolescent or to that couple or to that, you know, um, kid or, or you would write to the parent, but you know what I'm saying? And all, regardless of who you're speaking to, the, the feeling of the blog post is very refreshing. The feeling of the blog post is very um, zened out or very spa-like. You know, the, the words you would use, the phrasing you would use. Um, now, contrast this to the practice, the group practice that is um, like a party atmosphere, right? When you come here, you know that you are getting, you're meeting up with your best friend. You're meeting up with the therapist that is going to um, treat therapy like an adventure or something like that. It's very different than a Zen-like type practice. That makes sense. So if your practice is like this uplifting, inspiring party, like you're coming to have therapy um, in an adventurous way or with, you know something like that, then all of your blog posts would use phrasing like that. So even though you're speaking to a different client, a different clientele, your, um, the tone of your blog posts all line up with the tone or the feeling or the experience of your group practice. That makes so does that sense. make sense? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. It's a little hard to articulate sometimes. Well, um, I think we just have a unique, um, way of needing to sort of position ourselves when we are using content, uh, mm-hmm. creation, just because we have so many factors aside from right. just ourselves to consider, Um, So this all has been really good. And I've been writing down as we're sitting here chatting all these things that you've brought up that I think are like, yeah, really useful. So an example, like a way you could use this, a practical like application of how you could use this is in your introductory paragraph to your blog, um, you could say, you know, here at XYZ practice, we believe in a Zen like atmosphere or whatever it is. And then you would transition to how is that atmosphere appropriate for that client? So when couples experience um, relaxation together, blah, blah, blah. And then you can go into whatever the content of that blog post is. Um, If it's three tips for better communication, how does the brand of your 
practice, the, the experience, the environment you're, you're putting out in your practice, how does that help them with their communication? And the same type of thing can, be, can apply to that, that party practice. I, none of us would go to a practice to party. I don't know why I'm using that <laughs> example, but I'm just trying to like give a very different picture of like a Zen-like practice. But you would say, you know, how would an uplifting and a, an inspiring practice what, how would that benefit? So here at ABC practice, we're all about making sure that your, your relationships are, um, have an element of fun, have an element of zing or whatever, you know, here's how that helps your communication improve. So you would kind of introduce what you're about, and then you would go into your specific demographic. That makes a lot of sense. So if, I have group practice owners that are listening that are not blogging or are not vlogging yeah. or any other digital way of marketing. Um, I want to end with, and I'm putting you sort of on the spot. Um, oh, that's okay. One, I know. <laughs> one, maybe one or however many, but one tip to get them started. What's like one thing that they can do to kind of get the ball rolling? Yeah. It's so funny because all of my clients say I'm a terrible marketer. And I have to just let everybody know that therapists are actually primed to be the best marketers. Our training, even if your your business or your grad school program talked nothing about business, your training has primed you to be a marketer in the sense that you're an expert at emotion. You're an expert at human emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is articulating or writing down what you would say to somebody in session. You're, you're understanding what is their problem? What is their pain point? Um, and you're just answering that in a blog post. Just like you would talk to them, you're, just like you build rapport in person, you're using your writing to, to build rapport, to make them see, yes, this is the right therapist for me. Um, and so one question I get a lot is, what do I even say in a blog post? And so I challenge everybody to pay attention to your clients in session and what questions are they asking you. You can even go back through your notes and you can say, you can say, what is a common theme between all of my new mom clients? Or what is a common theme between all of my couple clients or whoever it is you see? Um, write down the 10, 12 questions that you get a lot. Do you find yourself using the same interventions? It's because people are bringing up the same problems, right? That's such a good point too, to consider. Cause I think, um, I, I tend to get, if I'm, if I put myself on the spot to think of what is it that everyone comes in, what's the top things that get brought up? I go into this brain fart place where I'm like, I, uh, I don't know. I, I would have to like think for a really long time, but coming, you know, thinking about what interventions do I use the most? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot easier to, you know, to go to, cause I use them a lot. So that's a great way of thinking about what to blog about. Yeah. So write those down and then you just take those questions or those major concerns, like, you know, and what is at the core of, of everybody, you know, regardless of your therapeutic modality, most people want to be loved, mm-hmm. right? Most people want to be wanted. Most people want to be, you know, feel like they're not alone. Yeah. And so regardless of if you're a cognitive person or a behavioral person or, a, you know, experiential person or whatever, um, you can still answer those same questions uh, and then just turn it into a blog post. You know, why are we fighting? 
the top 10 reasons couples fight. <laughs> you know, it's, it can be really easy. Yeah, I tell my clinicians that when they're first starting off with blogging at my practice is to start simple with checklist style blogs mm-hmm. because people really like, you know, five reasons why your partner is uh, not interested in you right now or, you know, yeah. 10 reasons why your kid um, gets angry with you every day. And it's a lot easier to come up with that um, versus this really robust, long blog post. And it's, I think for them, it's easier to get the ball rolling and feel comfortable with blogging by doing those types of blogs in the beginning. And then, um, you know, moving into these more educational, lengthy uh, blog posts. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's actually not that hard to take a list post like that and turn it into an educational blog post. Yeah, it's true. Um, and the number one, like my highest engaging and the, the blog posts that I teach that convert clients the best are education blog posts. Um, and it's, you know, the reasons why, the fears you have, the tips to, suggestions for, yep. all of that stuff is providing clients with actionable takeaways that they can go and apply to their lives. That's what builds you um, as a trustable therapist. And that's what builds you as an expert um, is that people can rely on what you're, what you're teaching and they can take it and apply it. That's when they trust you is when they're going to come and schedule with you. That's great advice. So if anyone here that's listening wants to learn more about you, where can they find you? And I know you have something really exciting coming up. Um, if you want to bring that up as well, that would be great. Yeah, cool. So my website is real easy. It's just RISS, R-I-S-S, Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N.com, uh, just RISS Lawton. And you can find um, my, my personal blog there. I actually do video blogs. Um, you can find them there. I talk all about niching and um, the types of blog posts you need on your website as a therapy blog and all of that stuff. Um, and then I have a really cool challenge coming up. And so um, if anybody is wondering like, whoa, she said in the introductory paragraph of her blog post to talk about her practice, I don't even know. That's the stuff that we're going through on this challenge. It's called um, the five days to an ideal client converting blog post. And I'm going to teach you guys how to write uh, an education post. So some of these ones that we've talked about, we're going to dissect each part of the blog post on each day. So Monday, we're talking about headlines. Tuesday, we're talking about the hook and the introduction. Wednesday, we're talking about um, life before and after. Uh, and, and each day, we just dissect one of these posts. Uh, and it really is going to help with a lot of the common questions that I get. Like, how in the world do I write a 2,000-word blog post? Well, we're going to break each of these sections down into 300, 250 word posts. And by the time you're done with one section, at the end of five days, you will have 2000 words. We're going to talk about keywords and where they go and where you put them. Um, And so my goal is at the end of the challenge for everybody to have a completely written blog post that's perfect for their niche uh, or their group practice. And um, to really be able to repeat that process over and over again, make blogging much, much easier and much more approachable. Wow, that is really exciting. So I will... Um, post your link uh, in the show notes so that people who are interested in this can just go right over to it and click on it and and get more information. I'm really excited to see this come out. So yeah, it'll be great. I'm really excited too. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I'm really happy that we got to do this. And I'm sure everyone's really going to enjoy learning about this aspect of being a group practice owner. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Irene. It's been fantastic. Yes, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. 